seats and uh, it's kids camp time don't forget that so take advantage of that if you want to well we have been uh, in a series uh, called uh, get get in the game and the, the whole point of the series has really been to uh, look at those basic things in our life when when, when Christ invades that, that can help us really get in the game help our lives get elevated help our lives become everything that God wants them to uh, to become. And so, uh, you know, we're getting those basic kinds of understandings of what our purposes are in Christ and what he's made us to be. And when we get those understandings in place, get that foundational for us, then you know what? Our lives are going to get elevated. When we start employing these basic understandings, they're going to get elevated. And uh, I mean, we really are going to get in the game. So today um, we, we keep going. If you remember, we started with uh, week one. We had a guest with us, uh, an Olympian uh, with us, and uh, she shared with us her testimony or witness of how God just had his hand on her life and, and the plan that he had and the way she saw that unfolding in her life. And so you know, we just gleaned that that's the way God works, right? That, that God has that for each one of us, not just for her, but God has a purpose for us, a plan for us. He has uh, a reason for us to be in this time. Uh, then the second week... Uh, we said that uh, we were made, that one of our purposes, we were made to just uh, please God, to, to live a life that pleased Him, that worshipped Him, and, and to be in worship regularly and, and uh, be surrounded by God's people. And then week three, we said not only are we supposed to be in worship, but we're supposed to be the church and part of the church and, and be engaged in relationship with other people in the church and get into small groups and get into ministry experiences. And so... We're supposed to be that bride of Christ that he uh, defends in the world, the church, right? Uh, and then week four, we're supposed to live like Christ. Um, we're supposed to just grow in what it means to look like Christ, to, to be in Bible study and to be in prayer and, and to be in all those things that, that are going to grow us into being that kind of person that God wants us to be. And so now we take another step and get a not, another basic fundamental purpose and before you get worn out there's there's this week and next week okay so you only got two more purposes to go so you can handle this okay so we get into another purpose and uh, this morning I want the Apostle Paul really to be the one who tells you uh, this purpose not just me but the Apostle Paul and as Paul tells you this purpose you need to understand uh, that Paul before he tells you the purpose he qualifies the environment to understand the purpose. That if, if you're going to get it this morning, if you're going to understand this, this fundamental purpose in your life, it, it's preceded by understanding another basic truth. Okay? Uh, so let's turn to Ephesians 2 and uh, set the groundwork. Paulo set the groundwork and then we'll discover uh, the purpose. It starts there in verse 8. He says, You were saved... By faith. What saves you? Faith. You got to get this, you see. He's saying, look, you, before you go any further, you need to understand this fundamental truth that you're saved by faith in God, who treats us much better than we deserve. This is God's gift to you and not anything you have done on your own. It isn't something you've earned, so there's nothing that you can brag about. We'll stop there. See, the fundamental principle that, that Paul wants you to understand before you go any further is that life comes as an incredible gift from God. 
that saving life, being this person that God wants you to be, it all has its roots in understanding that Jesus Christ came into the world and sacrificed and surrendered everything so you can be the person God wants you to be. It's not what you did. It's not what you're going to do. It is a sheer gift that God brings to you. It is out of the, the, the storehouse of His love and His mercy for you that He sent Jesus Christ into this world. It's out of the storehouse of His love and His mercy and His desire to be in relationship with you and for you to have the life that He dreams for you. It's out of that storehouse that Jesus was willing to set aside everything and die on a cross so that you can be renewed and live. And this all comes as a gift. you got to understand this. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. It's not relative to how big or little your bank account is. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you live in. There is nothing that this world defines as make, making you somehow more important or less important that applies to this reality. You see, it is only by virtue of the grace, love, and mercy of God. It is a free gift that you just surrender to and receive. Okay, you on the same page with me? We got that? You see, you can't go any further until you get that. Okay, you got to get that. That's just a fundamental thing. But if you get that, Okay, if you understand that basic fundamental gospel good news truth that in Christ you are a new person by the grace and gift of God, then you can go to verse 10. And verse 10 is the purpose in your life. Verse 10 is what Paul is saying. Now that you understand what God has done for you in Christ, now you can understand the kind of life that he wants you to live and what he wants you to do literally with this life. Look at verse 10. God planned for us to do good things and to live as he has always wanted us to live. That's why he sent Christ to make us what we are. Isn't that awesome? You see, when you receive the fundamental truth that this free gift has overwhelmed your life in Christ, then you understand that one of the purposes in your life is to live the rest of your life doing incredible good things for God. It's your purpose. It's what he planned, that's what Paul says, what he planned for us to do from the beginning. This is what he wanted for us in the beginning. When he was walking in the garden with Adam and Eve and, and looking at, the, this is what he wanted for them and it's what he wants for us. He wants us to have these incredible lives. He wants us to have incredible, powerful, make a difference kind of lives. This is what he planned for us and this is still what he intends for us to this day. And Paul says, that's why he sent Christ. That's the reason. He sent Christ. That's why he gives us the free gift. That's why he overwhelms us with this love and his mercy of what he accomplished in Christ. And when we receive it, we receive this purpose. We are here for the purpose of doing good things for God. We could uh, say it, another thing on the next slide. It is your purpose to do good God things. You're here to make a difference for God. Now, there's an important distinction there. Notice it says, you're here to do good God things. You see that? You see, we're not here just to be good people. 
There's lots of good people in the world who don't know the saving message of what we talked about before, the grace and love of Jesus Christ, right? You know, we're not here just to be good people. We're here to be good people, but we're here to be, more importantly, God people. We're here to do incredible good things that all are, are all about what God wants us to do. If you, uh, if you look at uh, the prophet Micah, way back in the Old Testament, uh, Micah, the prophet, even understood and, and tried to get this message through the people of, of Israel. Look at Micah 6. It says, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. Let's stop for a minute there. Do you see that word there? This is what he requires of you. You see the word requires? Yeah, you know, require is different than saying this is what he suggests or this is what he, he, he really thinks you maybe could have, ought to, should have, would have do, right? He's saying this is what is required. You can say the word. It's okay. If you say the word, you understand what it is, right? You see, this, it's purpose. This is, this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And that phrase there, the do what is right, we could put another word at the end there and just say not only do what is right, but do what is righteous. You see, it's to do what is right according to what God desires. It's not to do what is right according to whatever we think or whatever we desire. It's to do what is righteous. It is to do what is in right and in keeping with what God wants to accomplish in this world through your life. It is your purpose to make a difference by doing good things that are all about God. Doing God things. To, to get you to, to better understand that, uh, look at 1 Corinthians 6, if you would. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, it says, You surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you, and it is a gift from God. Okay, that goes back to that verses 8 and 9 Ephesians, right? Where you understand this gift that God invades our life, that he takes residence with us when we receive the goodness of, of what he accomplished in Christ, right? Now look at the next verse. You are no longer your own. God paid a great price for you. So use your body to honor God. You see, he understands the grace and mercy and the love shown him in Christ. And because of that, it's no longer about us. Our, our, our lives are no longer just about what, what we want to do. We are no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. And now our lives are about doing whatever it is, whatever it is that pleases God. This is so important for us to understand. Especially because, do you know what unchurched people say about the church? Unchurched people look at the church and they say, I, I don't want anything to do with the church. I don't want anything to do with Christ. And one of the top reasons we always hear from folks is, I don't want anything to do with church. I want anything to do with Christ because they're just a bunch of hypocrites, right? Because they say one thing and, Right? Isn't that the rap? Well, why is that? Well, it's apparent. Apparently, we haven't got the principle that that we're no longer our own. Right? That that whatever we do, whoever we are now, is no longer about us. It is all about 
God. You are no longer your own. You've been bought with a great price. So use your body to honor God. Your life is here now because of what Jesus has done to point to Christ, to honor God in everything that we do and everything that we're about. And it means absolutely everything. Paul in Romans says, Dear friends, God is good. So I beg you. Now, notice this. Do you hear what he just said? Listen, I beg you. I am on my knees. I am pleading with you. I implore you. Please, please, please understand the importance of what I'm going to tell you. I beg you. This is what he's saying. I beg you to offer your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing. That's the most sensible way to serve God. See, he understands. If you've been bought with a price, then the only response we can give is to say, I'm no longer my own. My life is no longer mine. It totally belongs to him. And everything I am about must be pure and pleasing, right, righteous to him. Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Then you'll know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. You see, when we receive the good news that Jesus Christ gave up everything for us, we enter into that experience of life that says, my life is no longer mine. It's now about doing everything for God. And it starts right away. There's, there's no kind of breaking in period. If some of you have started a new job, you know, you sit down at the new job and they say, well, now, you know, we're going to have kind of a 60-day trial period, right? You experience that? 60-day trial period. We'll just see how it works out. You know, we'll just kind of test the water and see if you get comfortable with the job and if you can do the job and if it's your skill set. This is not the way it works in the kingdom of God. If you receive and surrender to Christ, it's, you're on the job right away. From the get-go, it's about us understanding doing everything right away. Now, James, James has this incredible, in the second chapter, has this incredible argument going on to, to show us this truth, okay? In James, he says, suppose someone disagrees and says, it is possible to have faith without doing kind deeds. So he's saying, okay, look, let's look at this. Suppose somebody says, no, I, you know, I need some time here. I need, I need to grow to become something more than what I am right now before I start doing everything God wants me to do. I need to work into the process of being this. Suppose, James says, suppose somebody says that, you know, it's, I just need to grow my faith more than anything first and I'll get around to doing things. He says, I would answer, prove that you have faith without doing kind deeds. And I will prove that I have faith by doing them. So he's saying, like, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. It doesn't go together. The reality is, if you have faith, then right away, by the nature of faith, you'll be engaged in being the person God wants you to be and doing things that change the world for God. He says, you surely believe there is only one God. That's fine. But remember now, even demons believe this, and it makes them shake with fear. You see, do you remember those stories in the New Testament where Jesus is out doing his ministry, and, and he runs across somebody who has a, has a demon, and, and who's the one that always identifies who Jesus really is? 
Well, it's always the demon, right? The demon says, we know who you are, son of God, right? The demon believes that Jesus is the son of God. Well, if you're only living a life that says, well, I'm just going to be a person of faith. And you're not doing good deeds, you're keeping the company of demons. Because that's where they are. People who live a life of faith have to understand, faith must issue into making a difference for the kingdom of heaven. Faith must issue into doing good things. James, does some stupid person want proof that faith without deeds is useless? The Bible's pretty cool, isn't it? Some stupid person? (laughs) Well, our ancestor Abraham pleased God by putting his son Isaac on the altar to sacrifice him. Now you see how Abraham's faith and deeds worked together. He proved that his faith was real by what he did. See that? When we receive the good news of what Jesus Christ did for us, There's nothing else for us to do but to live a life that says, I am now going to make a difference for Jesus Christ. I am here to make a difference for Jesus Christ in the extension of his kingdom. Now, you have to understand this. This also applies to us, not just as individuals. This applies to us as a church. And this is really important. Uh, Covenant members of Christ Church, really important we get this. This applies to us as a church. God did not bring Christ's church into existence so that we could just kind of be a cozy, comfy little place that takes care of each other and kind of kumbaya loves each other. I mean, I mean that's good stuff, right? I mean, that, nothing wrong with loving each other. And the Bible says we ought to do that. And of course we ought to do that stuff. But he did not bring Christ's church into existence so that we could just be some kind of nice, cozy, comfy religious club. He brought Christ's church into existence so that we could stand up to the world and we could change the world. That we could be, be a congregation in this place that makes a difference in people's lives here and around the world. That's why we're here. Christ's church is here to be that place that makes a difference. That's why we send people down to uh, new beginnings, down into you know a tough part of town trying to make a difference down there and help people understand how their life can change when when they surrender to Christ and and to work with kids to try to grow them up so they can stand up in that world and stop being the world and to start being the person God wants them to be. Some of our folks just uh, went down there this uh, last week, I guess, and did ministry down there, and this is what we got back from, from all the kids. All the kids down there at New Beginnings made us a little card. It's so cool. They said, thanks for all you do. Did did you just get that? They didn't write, thanks for all you believe. They said, thanks for all you do. Christ Church is a place that because we believe, we have no choice but to do. If, if you're visiting with us today, if you're one of those people that's, that's thinking about membership here at Christ Church, covenant membership at Christ Church, Hey, that is awesome. We welcome that. We're thrilled about that. But i got to warn you. Don't join Christ Church if you're looking for just a comfy, cozy place. That's not who we are. That's not who God wants us to be. I I can recommend some other churches for that. 
Okay? That's not us. But if you want to be in a place that is here to make a difference and to change people's lives, this is who we are. Because we understand we have been bought with an incredible price. And we have no choice. We have no choice but to stand up for God in this culture and in this world and say, no, there's a difference and we can show you how to live a better life. We're going to do that here and we're going to do it around the world. We've Coming in, in, I think it's May, coming this spring, we're going to roll it out for you, so get ready for it. We're going to send a team of people over to Africa, to, to a couple countries in Africa, to identify uh, an orphanage over there that, that we can partner with and make a difference in Africa with children through this orphanage. Is that cool or what? We're going to send a team of people over there to find the right place to pray over it and say, this is where God wants us to be. And then we're going to be a place that makes a difference right there in that part of the world. But we have no choice. Because if we're people of faith, then that's what we have to do. We have to be a people who make a difference. I, I, last week at this service, I don't know about you, but I just had an incredibly uh, God moment that was so awesome for me. You remember at the end of last week's uh, service, this is why you have to worship every week, by the way, so you don't miss these moments. At the end of last week's service, did you, you remember we had all the kids come in from the back and they were all carrying school kits? Were you here for that? They were all carrying, I loved it. Some of these kids, the school kits were longer than they were tall, right? So they're dragging the school kits up and they brought all the school kits in and they brought all the school kits, dragging them up the stairs and they stacked all the school kits right up here and we had a mound of school kits right there. And I said, oh, that is awesome, God. Now, what, for me, that was awesome, not just because we're going to send a bunch of school kits around the world, and, and that's going to be great for whoever receives those school kits, but you know what was really awesome about it? Every one of those kids, because they go to Christ Church and they're in our kids' camp program, they're going to understand. They're going to understand their purpose is to make a difference in somebody else's life for Jesus Christ. Hey, okay? Whoa! What a gift! Those kids who can't even, you know, can't even drag the thing barely up there. Those kids, they are going to know from little on that their purpose in life is to live such an incredible life that they are going to stand up and they are going to stand out. They are not going to let the world take a hold of them and own them. They are going to change the world. And that is what faith does. That's what faith does. When you know this truth, that's what faith does. How does this work? This works because God has designed it that way. He has designed us to be together. He's designed us to be together so that when, when we receive that incredible good news about Jesus, He brings us into a fellowship with, with other Christians. If you look at Romans 7, it says in Romans 7, that is how it is with you, my friends. You are now part of the body of Christ. You see, when you receive this good news, it's not just a, an I-thou relationship, but right away you become part of the body of Christ. What is God doing? God is bringing us all together to be the church so that we can be that body of believers together, supporting one another to make that impact and that difference in the world. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Christ has many different parts, just as any other body does. 
Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, others are free, but God's Spirit baptized each of us and made us part of the body of Christ. Now we each drink from the same Spirit. Our bodies don't have just one part, they are many parts. Let me illustrate this. I thought about how I could get this through to you, so I came up with this, okay? All right, who knows what this is? Hammer. That's okay, you can talk in church. It's a hammer, right? It's a hammer, all right? But, I mean, this just is a hammer. This is a claw hammer, right? And uh, a claw hammer has a purpose, and that purpose is obviously, you know, pound in nails or take out nails. I mean, it's a claw hammer. It's a hammer, but it's got its own specific purpose, right? Now, I also have uh, one, of, one of these, okay? And it's a hammer, right? But it's not a claw hammer. It's a different hammer because... Well, it's a hammer, but it's got a different function, right? I mean, it's still a hammer, but it's got a different function. I mean, I, I think this is the one you, you use roofing, don't you, with that big flat thing, and you got the big flat nails, and you use it up there on the roofing thing, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's got a different purpose. Well, to help you along as well, I brought these along, and they're all what? Hammers, but are they like the claw hammer or the roofing hammer? No, they're not. They're, they're a ball bean hammer. They're a little bit different, right? And not only are they all the same kind of hammer, but they're a different size hammer because they don't all have the same function or the same purpose, you see. If you want to just do kind of dainty little nice thing of hammering, this is good, right? But if you want to get something done, are you with me, right? You see, they're all hammers. They all, they all have their own gift, but they don't, you see? And let me go further, just so you get this now. I brought this thing along. It's a hammer, but it's not going to do the same thing as that nice little dainty ball-peen hammer, right? Exactly. It's, it's just going to be different. But it's still a hammer. It's got its own function. It's got its own purpose. And to finally, if you really don't get it, ugh, you get it? It's a hammer, and it's got its purpose, but it's not like all the other hammers. But if you get all these hammers in people's hands and you start using them for the purpose and the function they were used, you can construct some incredible things. Am I right? You see how it works? You see, I believe this. I absolutely believe this. Every one of you that's a covenant member of Christ Church, you are here because God wants you to be here. Now, I know you come from a variety of different situations and reasons that God brought you here, but you're here because Christ Church needs you. Christ Church needs you in this moment, in this time, to be the kind of church God wants us to be, to make the difference that God's called us to make. He has brought you into this fellowship of faith, and He's given you the gifts at the right moment, at this time, to make this church what it needs to be, and make the impact it needs to make. Right? And, and I can tell you what's really cool is, it's absolutely happening. I get calls now, at least at least once a month, I'll get a call from another pastor in the area here that will say, can I come up and see your place and spend some time with you and talk to you about the mission you got going at Christ Church? We, we now get groups coming from congregations. We got a group coming the 24th of this month. Now they're going to spend the morning with us. They're from another church way down on the south side. They're going to spend the morning with us, and then they're going to have lunch with our leadership. And they're here because they want, to, they want to see what we're doing and say, how can we make a difference like you're making a difference? Is that cool or what? 
we have, this is the, what God is doing. February 19th, set aside the date, we need you. February 19th, we are going to host a one-day conference for our synod, for all the, the Lutheran churches, in ELC Lutheran churches in this area. We're going to have over 200 church leaders here at Christ Church. And they're going to be asking and looking and wondering, what is Christ Church doing and the difference they're making that we can do the same thing? Isn't that great? You see what God is doing? Why is he doing this? He's doing this because you were brought to this place with your gifts in this moment, in this time, because God wants us together to make a difference for God. I should warn you, by the way, of all the hammers out there, I kind of have a personal affinity for this one right here. This is kind of me. You know, just let's go get it done. Okay? So I just, just set you up for that. Kind of warning you. But... Uh, but that's, that's what we do, right? I mean, that's, that's what we do. And that's the way God works. Now, let, let me also reassure you and, and in, in one way warn you. Now, doing things for God and, and being owned by Him won't always fit into your schedule, right? Doing good things for God isn't always convenient. In fact, a lot of the times, being that person and using your gifts and doing what God wants you to do can become terribly inconvenient. It was inconvenient, I suspect, on the night when Jesus was arrested and taken off, tried, beaten, and crucified. But it's what he had to do. For us, our gifts are not on our schedule. We belong to Christ. We've been bought with a price. And we have to employ those gifts whenever the opportunity presents itself. If you go to uh, Galatians uh, 6, Galatians 6, it says, Don't get tired of helping others. You'll be rewarded when the time is right. If you don't give up, we should help people whenever we can, especially if they are followers of the Lord. Notice he didn't put no time frame on that. He just said, look, don't give up. Don't, don't, don't give up. You know what this also means? This also means there is no retirement plan from doing good things for God. We're always on the clock. We're always in that opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life and to make a difference for God. So you, you need to understand, don't give up. Don't give up understanding and doing whatever it is that God wants you to do. He has something for you to... St I go visit our, our shut-in folks. You know, they call me up and say, Pastor, come over. I say, yeah, I'll be there, right? So I go visit them. And I always do this before I leave them. Before I leave them, I, I not only pray with them, but I say to them, boy, you know what? Christ Church really needs you. Christ Church really, really, we need you. And And, you know, some of them are like, you know, I mean, you can hear this morning. You say, wait, I'm a shut-in. What can I do? Holy cow, they're just... No, listen, Christ Church needs them. I, and I share with them, I say, we need you. I need you. We need you to pray every single day for Christ Church. We need you to unleash the power of heaven in this congregation. And it's up to you to do it. We need you to just covenant with me to pray every single day for Christ's church, for, for me as his pastor, for each one of our staff people. 
I mean, I urge them and beg them to make that commitment to say, you've got stuff to do for the kingdom of God yet. Don't give up. You're not done. Don't give up. And the, the same is true for all of us. There, there is never going to be a time if we walk in faith that there won't be an opportunity for us to do something uh, for God. Right? Now we've been turning to each other every once, so here's the moment. Turn to somebody next to you, behind you, in front of you, whatever it is. Turn to, turn to them and said, tell them, don't get tired. God's got more for you to do. Okay? Remind them. Wake them up if nothing else. Okay, I got so much more to tell you. I'm not going to get there today. So take your notes home, right? And, and, and study, study the notes. But I want to give you one last thing, okay? Bible says that each one of us have been given gifts that God chose for us. Right? Just like those hammers, right? We're each different. But God has chosen a gift that He wanted to bring into your life. He brings that gift into your life. He asks you to employ that gift. But He will never ask you to employ the gift in an opportunity that he doesn't prepare you for. Do you understand what I mean? He gives you the gift, he expects you to employ it, but he will never create a situation that you're not ready to employ the gift into. Let, let, let me give you an example. It goes back to uh, David. You remember young David? And uh, we teach all our, all our kids a story about David, right? David and Goliath, absolutely, David and Goliath. Now, what's cool about the David and Goliath story isn't just what David did to Goliath. What's cool is about how God got David ready for that particular moment. David's there. He goes into Saul, and he says to King Saul, I'm ready. I am the man who's going to go out and defeat this Goliath. Saul looks at him and says, oh, my gosh, you're just a kid. Notice this, young people. You, you with me, young people? He's just a kid. And he says, no, I'm ready for this. Saul says, no, you're just a young person. You're, just, you're not equipped. After all, Goliath's been a warrior his whole life. He's ready. You're not ready. What's interesting is how David responds. David responds and says, Saul, you don't understand. When I watched the, the sheep of my father, I had to uh, fight off bears and lions. In fact, I grabbed them by the fur of their neck and killed them in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And when he gets done... He says, the Lord was with me when I killed the lion and the bear, and the Lord will be with me when I kill this dog, Goliath. What did he just say? Every time I fought a lion or a bear, God was preparing me for this moment. Isn't that cool? God will never ask you to do something He has not prepared you and gifted you to do. You just have to remember where we started. You have been bought with a price. You have been bought with the precious blood of the Son of the living God. Do what God wants you to do. Be the person that is able to stand up in faith and make a difference in life. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your Son, Jesus. Thank you for everything that He gave up for us. Thank you that you bring us to this moment as the people of God in this place and, and you equip us with every person in this room with a gift that they have so that we can do even more together and that we can make a difference around the world. Father, we just pray now that you'd move our minds and move our hearts. Help us to see every day as that opportunity 
to be the person you want us to be and to reach one more human heart and to make a difference for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.